Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Byron Brothers Quickie Marriage Services. Are you looking to expedite your holy connubials specifically for the purposes of immigration? Our TIF certified registrars will complete your wedding in 15 minutes or less. We can even do it in your car, whether it's a top of the range Daihatsu, a beep beep arena, or a pumpkin style coach. It's nice, it's different, it's unusual, exclusively at our Foundgate location. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff, and this is that does suit me. Adam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hold on, hold Hello, on. Hello, you're not Wait, hold on, oh, she's not. Gladys. There she is. There Yay. she is. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. How's it going tonight? A good day is all <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by badaccents.com.au. <laughs> Honey, every episode on this podcast is brought to you by Bad Accents. Um, I'm good. Um, we have a fun show, and the world could need a little bit of fun. We've been going through some kind of crap uh, recently. Uh, some people more than others around the world, and uh-huh. we'll, we'll kind of touch base on that in a second. Um, but uh, got to say, the last episode of the podcast, everyone seemed to... Um, really enjoy. So it's kind of cool to go and recycle these weird oddball episodes of Are You Being Served and kind of getting closer and closer every week to Are You Being Served Again, Stroke, Grace, and Favor, which the people are excited about. (laughs) People are excited about. I think that everyone was really excited about our podcast show. I think the reaction to the reboot in general was a little mixed bag. But, hey, we're never going to get everyone to be unanimous in the unanimous. And, of course, um, if you're listening, uh, Mrs. Slocum incarnate, uh, Sherry Hewson from the UK was able to retweet our little digital love on Twitter. So, um, we're famous. Yeah, she, she, we're famous. <laughs> um, 400 people in the world know about who we are. But we love each and one of, each and one of you. Uh, but, and one of them is Miss Sherry Houston well, maybe, from Well, maybe, maybe. I don't know if she listens, right. but um, we got some love from 
uh, Twitter because, you know, I was just blown away by her acting on Benidorm 1, and then she was in the 2016 reboot of Are You Being Served on the BBC, and she did a smashing Mrs. Slocum, and she kind of added a lot of um, Dame Edna Everidge in there, which I loved. Mm -hmm. So I, I tweeted out something on the That Does Suit Madam uh, account, and I tagged her, and she liked it. So that makes us yeah. happy, right? Thanks, Miss yeah. Newsom. We appreciate that. And you've all done very well. We've uh, also heard from some of our Facebook friends. Uh, my friends Jesse and Griff are now listening, so welcome to the pod, guys. Yay. Uh, we've also heard from Jared, Steve, Chris, Red, and David. And purple and blue and green. Thank you. Nice <laughs> to see you guys as well. Um, we got an email from Heidi who let me know that I wasn't going crazy and that I'm not super old because she also remembers Punky Brewster with uh, Cherry getting locked in the fridge. So that was a thing that happened. And then Superfan Jeff Y went for a real deep cut, right? Which he is he known to do. Out, deep which cut, he is yeah. known to do. Uh, deep cut Jeff is what they used to call him in high school. <laughs> uh, and he pointed to a madness song called Time for Tea that includes the lyric, well, what have I found here? A hiding place made by frigid air. I think I'll try it and give my mate to scare. Like, how random is that that he was able to put two and two together that and pull that out? deep cut. Uh, Jeff at work right there. Um, and, you know, I, li I listened to the song and it's quite different from what I know Madness for. You know, I know them for their ska one-hit wonder pop hit, Our House. Which was, I just and thought so, of them as the, 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 the house band for Benidorm. At, <laughs> anyway, if you're a Benidorm person, yeah. this is the second Benidorm reference already. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, Brand Brandon, what's that bong in the background? I, I, it sounds like, wait, Qantas Airlines is now serving Northern Mississippi International Airport. Oh yeah, yeah, no, the the, uh, the people of Northern Mississippi who have been lobbying the people in Sydney and and everywhere in Australia, they demanded direct flights. So we're looking at. Let me just look out. Hold on, let me get the curtain drapes. Ah, oh yeah, no, I see, I see a plane. Oh, it just it just landed. A lot of smoke. They should probably get that fixed. Uh, Qantas <laughs> Airlines, and it says across the wing, now serving only business class. Um, <laughs> do we have a guest coming from, of all places, Australia, which might explain our bad accents? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are happy to welcome back to the pod Melbourne's busiest homosexual, Mr. Dean Arcuri. Hello, Yay! hello. Yay! Oh, oh. G'day, as I should say. You know, we're in g'day territory. And what is this oh, blood mate, coming yeah. off of your tongue from biting your tongue so much? Uh, <laughs> now that Am I going to be allowed back in Australia after that terrible stand? <laughs> no, I loved it. Do you know what? It's always interesting to hear everyone try to do it. And what I love is you absolutely tried to get a bit of the, the classic Aussie from the episode that we're going to be talking about. You tried to add in a bit of Kath and Kim. You failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know, I was at a party in January in Washington, D.C., and a friend of a friend of a friend introduced me to someone um, that sounded exactly like you, like the accent and the intonation and everything. I was like, well, it's a long way from Melbourne for you. He's like, whoa, how did you <laughs> know that? Because usually people guess British 
And the, anyone who guessed Australian would never be able to pimp her Melbourne. I was like, well, you sound exactly like yeah. Kath and Kim. And he took, he took such offense <laughs> to me, but his husband was roaring with laughter. But we do. And especially, especially when we get around Americans, we go even okra. Like it absolutely, yeah. we butcher our vowels even more. So we totally, yeah. When I travel, it gets worse. It, it levels out when I get back when to I'm, Australia. When uh, I'm out of the country, out of the US, I say y'all a lot because I'm from the South. And somehow it, it when you leave your home, man, it does something to you yeah absolutely so yeah so should we explain um the, the sponsor gag was basically kath and kim like <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know kath it and was kim great by now, i mean but what i love what i love is that jeff started in in normal tone of starting the episode and then swapped about five words in so it's going to be even more confusing to <laughs> people don't understand our podcast we don't know why people listen but they keep doing no, it so we don't although That's i will say fun. that uh, there have been several people who are asking us after we finish are you being served again if we would do a kath and kim podcast and i'm like that would be <gasps> so much unpacking so, 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 that would be awesome. Someone in Australia started one during the pandemic, and they only got two episodes in. And by the time we I mean, do that... I mean, that's just lazy. <laughs> right? There was two years. We're in year two of the pandemic. What, one a year? But, Come fellas, on. I've got a question. I'm a new listener to the podcast. I love Are You Being Served, but what is this Kath and Kim? <laughs> I'm not even going to try it. I'm going to let one of you two... Because Jeff, Mr. Jeff, is the one who introduced me to Kath and Kim, I think. And... Oh my God. Yeah, you're going to have to do Kath and Kim. For those that don't know, Kath and Kim is an amazing series. It's from um, two characters, well, Kath and Kim basically, that were created by two amazing comedians here in Australia and they were doing it as a part of a skit show. Became a series that has just taken Australia and the world by storm <laughs> and it's just lots of improvisation and dagginess and hilarity and... It's bloody gold. It's, it's just really awesome comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. Um, it's it's hard to take something like Are You Being Served and try to like distill it into its essence and like what is so funny about it? Why do we like it? Um, but I, the, a lot of things that I find about Are You Being Served are present in Kath and Kim because it's people probably behaving yeah. a little bit higher than they probably should intellectually and mm-hmm. using words not quite correctly, Completely. which I do myself. <laughs> inexplicably I think that's the right usage but it's those same gags as well like you're not trying to push them like when you describe the setup the setup really has nothing to do with what makes it fun same with are you being served you can tell people the setup and they'll be okay so they're in a they shopping centre yeah. like it's got nothing to do with what makes it entertaining and funny and and it's that, that those comedic beats that constantly right. hit it's, in the perfect way it's all those callbacks that you expect to see you expect to see Sharon with an injury you expect to see <laughs> yeah, Sharon you know Kim Yelling at bread or something, exactly. Aww. I'll yeah. crack open the team, Maria. <laughs> I'll get the Put funny on the Franks. Funny Franks. <laughs> um, Dean actually, well, related to Kath and Kim, uh, there was a parody on a sketch show called Fast Forward. Oh my god! Uh, which yes. was fe- featuring uh, Magda Zubanski and Gina Riley, uh, Sharon and um, Kim from Kath and Kim, and Jane Turner. All of them, Kath Kim, all of them. This is where Who they was... all started working, right? But Jane Turner wasn't in the sketch, though, right? Jane was. Was Jane not in the sketch? No, Jane wasn't in the right. sketch. This is the this was the sketch show where they all started working together at, on a series, and then the three of them transitioned from fast forward into Big Girls Blouse, yeah. which is where we met Kath and Kim. Yeah. That's amazing. They they would it was a parody skit show, and every time I watched it, I'm like, how in God's name do they do this? Because <laughs> it's so good, and they would do an hour long oh every God. single week, and it was brilliant. And they had a whole run of in it during an episode of doing um, Are You Being Served? And it's hysterical. Yeah, it's it's yeah. funny because they. 
it's strange, and I I noticed on the episode we're covering today, the accents on um, the the sketch show. Uh, basically, they were making fun of Ari being served, right? And all of the characters yeah. were using British accents. Like I didn't even detect a single Aussie accent. In, well, in a lot of like, if you go back to like the seventies and the eighties. It's, it's, that was the kind of accent that's in a lot of Australian television. Like, the ochiness kind of started pushing through a bit more in the 80s. But we really did do that rounded vowel, like, kind of prop... Sounding a little bit more refined kind of thing. Unless someone was, like, a rough person, character. Yeah. And they'd sound really Aussie. Otherwise, it was very much like... to. I, I always felt like it was to kind of align with... UK TV, like our ABC would always have a lot of what's mm. on BBC. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I wouldn't even know if a show was Australian or from the UK because the accents were kind of clean that way. Got like it. RP. Or maybe but, I was just stupid. I no, I mean, but, <laughs> but it's something I actually noticed on the um, the episode we're covering tonight, the long lost episode, um, the Australian made um, Are You Being Served? Because I was waiting, okay, oh, it's Australian, oh my God, I'm going to listen, listen to the, you know, the vowels and stuff, but I didn't hear it. You know, like it's, no. it's almost like every single actor and I was wondering if that was a thing that people kind of not suppressed but just you didn't do it maybe maybe it wasn't as present as it is today i don't know it wasn't till like it really wasn't until like the late 80s 90s that it really started coming through in characters a lot more mm. May, I, I don't know maybe that's just the colonialism of it all i've got no idea why <laughs> but it just kind of it was just when i look at our television i look at our radio it was very much inspired by i maybe yeah like that within the uk and stuff like that so that was what was emulated more, or maybe it just made it more marketable. I'm not sure. <laughs> if anyone knows, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. How are things in Australia right now coming out of uh, two years of this pandemic? Look, You've been it, traveling a lot. I've been jumping around Victoria and New South Wales I, after two years doing shows virtually in my house. Like, I do laugh that the last time we did this podcast, the world was in dire straits, and now we are again just in a very different way. And it's yeah, like, exactly. yeah, but but actually being able to go out and about, like, I spent two years creating shows and doing online shows in my home. So actually being able to jump out and about, and I've, I have not had a weekend off since the start of the year. I've been performing in and out of drag everywhere and just I'm happy as a clam like it's great but god I'm exhausted so I'm looking forward to a week from now when we're recording when I get to crash a little bit and have a breather that's going to be nice and then luckily we said hey can you do an episode with us and it's not 3am in Australia thank god like if it was <laughs> no, no 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 you picked a very respectable time I appreciate that <laughs> I mean northern Mississippi where you flew that's what I mean oh that's yes, what I yes, meant yes, to yes. Say. yes in business class because how else would I fly <laughs> <laughs> um, as Dean had mentioned, you know, the, the world is a little bit in different dire straits than when we last recorded. Yeah. Uh, if you're living under a rock, the situation in Ukraine is um, pretty desperate. Uh, and yeah. so, like always, we encourage you to look into some um, some organizations that are helping people on the ground. Uh, we recommend you look into globalgiving.org, uh, Outright Action International, and of course, the International Committee of the Red Cross. So um, please look into that. Wear a mask, wash your hands. And as always, <laughs> Black, Lives Black Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, indeed. And you've all done very well. So other than Absolutely. talking about bad accents and Australian people <laughs> and um, flying to New South Wales for drag dues, what the hell are we doing on this podcast, Mr. Jeffrey? 
Well, tonight we are talking about Series 2, Episode 6 of Are You Being Served in Australia? Yay. And this is the only unique episode of the entire series. Uh, the, ever, the other 15 or so episodes were word-for-word, shot-for-shot remakes. Yeah, I was going to say, what happened the to the other episodes? We're already in Season 2. So um, we took a poll to see which of the available episodes people wanted us to... Um, to recap, and the overwhelming response was for The Apartment. <laughs> yeah. And when we watched it, we're like, oh, this is exactly the same jokes. Save, you could put save it on TVA and TVB and have yeah. them hit play, and they'd end at the same time. Yeah, pre- pretty much the same. Like the, the, the opening gag was different, but it was one we had seen before in a different episode. Uh, in the UK episode, uh, it's uh, Humphreys and Lucas... Uh, team up to sell a whole suit combination. Mr. Goldberg comes in. Oh, thank you for taking care of him. Changes the entire outfit and takes a commission for himself. In the Australia version of the apartment, the opening gag is the one with the robes and the rail and the karate chop and the, and the kangaroo and the koala to... and the didgeridoo. <laughs> the uh, thigh high, knee high, and I, 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 that oh, okay. gag. And then the rest of the apartment is word for word. Yeah, so we thought about doing like an episode on yeah. that, but we just did it right then. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that's the entire yeah. uh, recap of the apartment. So we found a copy of um, Undesirable Alien, which is the unique episode. We had our research department in the Northern Mississippi compound Overtime. working day at night to try and source a copy, and they did. And we're here to bring it to you. So, Dean, I want to ask you as um, the ambassador of your country on the podcast here, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the crown has bestowed you upon that honor. Lovely. Um, did people, did, did, I'm curious as I'm, as I'm watching this, and it's the only example of an Australian television show from the 80s that I've ever watched. So I don't know <laughs> if this happened all the time. Like half of the shows you watched as a little kid were like literally the same thing, but filmed in Sydney for some reason? Like, was that it common? It absolutely didn't happen all the time. What One of the so things weird. I love about this is it lasted two seasons. They made it like it was the UK show. All they did was obviously, like, everything else is basically like it, but it only aired in Australia. This is what blows my mind about it. Like, I would love to... Fi- I, I was trying to research and find how exactly this came into being right. this way. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, maybe it was just an opportunity for John Ingman to just do a certain thing a certain way and this was the payoff that he was able to do it. But being able to have two seasons of this only air in Australia, it just... It hits in such a good way for me because it's so ridiculous. You know, it's, like, it's just couldn't like, you just like, bring like, a cassette? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, I, I want to. I've been trying to research more about exactly how it happened and exactly how. So it hasn't aired anywhere else in the world other than people who have been able to find it through the secret tunnels and things and the means like that. <laughs> but it, it's just amazing that they were like, we are going to set up the same set, the same everything, create a reason and do it. And I mean, what I love is more than anything is the um, intro music is from John's album, yes, which have, right. is so awesome. And I have a friend that literally, a drag king friend, Sexy Galaxy, who's an amazing drag king, has performed all around the world and just does that number as Mr. Humphreys. <laughs> and I love it so much. Oh, it's, excellent. Yeah, it's so good. But it really is just weird. Like this is not something that gets done left and right. 
at all. And normally when something's recreated a little bit, they'll stay a little bit close to it. But this is basically set up for set up, set for set, you know, different names for a character, but creating the same looks that everyone brings it to the table. So I do, what I love about it is everyone kind of gives it their own little unique feel and just rocks it. I do have to say that I like that the ladies' uniforms are that mauve color rather yeah. than that horrible brown. Like, it's a little bit more flattering. I'm assuming it was literally, it was, I'm assuming part of it was just sitting away out of, like, a direct comparison. Like, the way parody law works is you can <laughs> recreate something, but if you look exactly like it, then you can't. Oh. So, so mm. like, for, I mean, every any drag queens listening would freak out when they realise that, yes, when you recreate an entire look of someone and do the insane number like a set of something, you are breaching copyright. So that's why you've just got to tweak things a certain way. And I think that could have been a part of it. So it just sat under a bit of a different banner. So it was safe enough. Interesting. But it just, it, yeah. I mean, or it could they could have just been like, Brown, ooh, let's do another It's colour. 1981, you know, it's not 1972. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's oomph it up. But I just think it's amazing that this was made because, yeah, I, the, and it was made for two seasons, which is really brilliant. Yeah, it wasn't two episodes. The thing is, if no. I were ABC in Australia, would it not have been cheaper just to like, hey, BBC, can you give me a but tape? But it wasn't ABC. So this is, it, it was, was Network, Network 10. 10. Oh. So it wasn't... And so, I can't stress this enough. I've grown up with Are You Being Served being shown on ABC for years. Then they stopped. Then Channel 7 bought it. So Channel 7 used to show Are You Being Served then all the time. So Channel 10, this was their independent get. So I think it was their opportunity to go, you know, and, and comedy in Australia, you know, skit shows do really well, but we do very well with a lot of other sitcom type comedies or mm. or set up comedies like this the australian ones australians don't seem to love them that much we love the parody things we love the skit shows but we don't respond very well to sitcom type australian comedy i don't know why there have been some amazing ones like acropolis now newlyweds there have been some awesome shows but ratings wise they never quite hit and the only way any of this stuff is going to work outside of Australia is if it gets picked up anywhere else. And But the, but with this, hmm. it was something that was specifically made for Australia. Channel 10 aired it only in Australia. So Did you say I specifically just, yeah. just then or specifically? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it how I please. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. I, that makes me think, maybe you just said this or maybe my brain just connected, but I wonder if because Channel 10 didn't have Are Being Served like ABC did all those years, maybe it was actually cheaper for... Lloyd and Croft to fly down to Australia and like get Mr. Humphreys and John Inman and yeah. actually recreate them as their own separate intellectual property so that they could kind of get in on the game. Interesting idea. I and I mean, know. and this Indeed. episode is is a brilliant one where it sits in a very different space that we're talking about today. Yeah. Like, and that's what kind of worked. But that's what's interesting. It's like episode six, season two. So it was still <laughs> just the generic setup. Like, just to chuck a Kath and Kim thing back in there, have either of you been able to find or ever seen the US remake of Kath and Kim? I watched it religiously when it I came I haven't out. watched yeah. it out of principle, so... <laughs> no, look, they did, they did the same thing that's in the script, but made a different setting, and it just did not work. Uh, it just no. didn't, didn't work in any way, shape, or form. And that's why part of me goes, okay, why mess with something this good? You know, why Why try to reinvent the wheel, go, we're going to create a different type of thing and then have to work harder. What You have a formula that works and everyone enjoys it and you're play, paying homage to it in the best way you can. 
and putting an Aussie spin on it. Yeah, it's like if you did um, Keeping Up Appearances and Hyacinth Bouquet lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. Like, somehow that just doesn't... <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh-oh. Like, in U.S. Kath and Kim, all right, I'm going to defend it for just for okay. a tiny second about why Good it luck. shouldn't have worked. And I know... Isolate our, yourself from the podcast. Go on. <laughs> and, 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 I'll tell you, and I'll tell you my number one reason why it didn't work. So here's why it should have worked. Molly Shannon, Selma Blair, and Mikey Day are 100%. all brilliant yeah, comedians. Yeah, 100%. And when they translated it, like, Kath and Kim are supposed to be somewhat cashed-up bogans. Like, they're yeah. not rich, but they're not on the dole, right? Somehow it just never um, is an issue for them for money. <laughs> no one really knows. Right. Yeah. But but they're, they're, they're kind of trashy, right? Yeah. And so they put it... They set the U.S. one in Tampa, which is the perfect place <laughs> if you want to be trashy, but you have money to be somewhat comfortable. So all of the settings and all of the things that they were trying to do to translate it were there. The number one reason that it didn't work is because there was no Sharon character. Yeah. And the number two reason is because they didn't turn the cringe all the way up. Well, this they is were true, trying the not thing. to be the office. Gina Riley and Jane Turner produced it. Like, they were flown over. They were paid all this money to create really? it. Really? They were trying not to be the office. And I reckon the only thing they had to do, the only thing they had to do to make it work, was to have neighbours move in that were a secondary characters that would never be seen that much, that would be a juxtaposition to it. So they had something to bounce that cringe off. That's what they needed to make it because the cast was fantastic. Everyone was hitting what they needed to. It just didn't hit the way it needed to. And I reckon if they just created a juxtaposition for it where they're normal, other people don't see them as normal, but that is then... This is the beauty of Kath and Kim, that they don't see themselves as weird. They don't see themselves as strange. This is just how they roll. Yes. And all they needed was that in the context of the real world, and I think it would have hit perfectly. The, in fact, with Kath and Kim, the funniest thing is whenever she says, I bought, I bought, what's, what's her neighbor's name? Um, she, I bought, so. I bought Mandy's house. I bought Mandy's house. <laughs> like, Mandy would always look at them across the way for, over the, the yeah. fence. And the fact that Mandy is us, like, we are the, she's the normal person. Yeah. That's what yeah. made it funny. So if you remove that out, you know, or like when she, when Kath is doing the <laughs> the ladies' intimate lingerie um, modeling, like that's ridiculous. Like she shouldn't be doing that, but she doesn't. She doesn't I think, think it's, it's funny that you, I think it's funny that you see it as cashed up bogans. So I just see it as bogans. Like it's not the cashed up thing. I know plenty of people that live out thing, and that's what they do. They do that. Oh, we've got the ippity bics, and oh, we do the home lingerie thing. And I know a lot of people where that's just their life. They just will manage to squeeze it all in into these characters. <laughs> like, I don't see them as cash up bogans. I kind of just see them as bogans, but that are doing fine. Yeah. And not on because the this is an international audience, would you mind to politely <laughs> describe what a bogan might be? Because I think some folks might know, not know. It's, I mean, it's the most affectionate way to be someone that's, I, now every word I'm thinking of, I'm like, some ochre, tr- they're not trash, but they just like, aren't trying, they're, they're just, how do I describe a bogan now? Oh my God, I'm struggling. <laughs> Wearing Ugg boots in the summer. Yeah, exactly. They're not, they're not, they're like the awkward cousins of every Real Housewife person that doesn't care about being on the show. How's that for a description? <laughs> there like, you go. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. But <laughs> this good. whole conversation, it goes back to once you capture lightning in a bottle, like a fabulous show like Are You Being Served or Kath and Kim or, or whatever, it's very difficult to recreate that. Yeah. You know? It is. Yeah. But, but you know what? I think that with this episode, Undesirable Alien, they did it. I agree. It, I think they hit it 
perfectly. Hot take early way. in the episode today. Okay, I like it. <laughs> but but I'm like, what I, I think what I love the most is that the entire. I feel like the entire premise around this episode was three punch. There's lots of comedy all the way through it, but three punchlines that are everything, <laughs> and they they just hit it perfectly, and it's just wonderful. Okay. Excellent. Oh my gosh! Wow! What a what an intro. Okay, so shall you take us back <laughs> in time, Mr. Jeffrey, to 1981? Let's do it. it. So Undesirable Alien premiered on Saturday, the 28th of March, 1981. So this was right before season eight of the original aired. And season eight is where we said goodbye to Mr. Lucas and met Mr. Spooner, Mr. Grossman and old Mr. Grace. So just to put everyone in the context of time where we are. I think it'd be interesting to point out now that John Inman might be feeling his oats right now. Right. Because um, (laughs) Mr. Lucas, the the actor who played Mr. Lucas, was supposed to be the star of Already Being Served. He's saying Mm -hmm. goodbye. I'm now going to West End stage shows. This is not my vehicle like I thought it was. So maybe that explains a little bit why he's like, I'm going to do a show in Australia in between these very successful years of the original series in the UK. Um, I mean, the cojones of that, of, (laughs) of, of, of John Inman doing that, right? I mean, and getting a holiday at the same time. Like, let's be honest, if they're going to fly you down and go, sure, why not? It's not going to be shown anywhere else. Why not do it? <laughs> Sign me right. up. It's like those celebrities that do the commercials. It'll only air yeah. in Japan. Don't worry yeah. about it. And, right? and thank you, YouTube, for teaching us about all of those. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, that week in the news, uh, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart uh, was Rapture by Blondie, a song I actually know. <laughs> Can you name the two um, cars that are referenced in that song oh good deep trivia question mm-hmm. everyone's scratching their heads um yeah i'm like no through the lyrics real the, fast the I, I, no mercury and subarus oh yeah yes you're right good one um <laughs> at the top of the uk singles chart was this old house by shaken stevens god nah, okay i, I have no idea uh, why and uh, at the top of the Australian singles chart was Ant Music by Adam and the Ants. Yeah. No idea what that song is. And I know two Adam and the Ants songs, and this is Is it not like insecticide commercials or something? <laughs> so, Adam, you know, you know the two Adam and the Ants songs, Brandon. Um, the first one is Goody Two Shoes. You don't drink, you don't smoke. What do you do? Subtle innuendos fall. You know, I'm very young, Mr. Jeff. No, okay, I'm very fine. young. The other one you know from Absolutely Fabulous. So I'm going to take you back. We're, we're, we're going to talk about every other show on television besides... What is this podcast about right again? Now. I don't remember. <laughs> so, all right. Absolutely Fabulous. The episode, um, small opening, where Safi writes the play. Okay. They do a um, flashback to when uh, Eddie and Patsy take her to the park. And there's okay. a song that's playing in the background that's um, in you and... No, um... Ridicule is nothing to be scared of. Prince Charming, Prince Charming. That's and that's the song. That's an Adam and the Ant song, and that's um... all right. Anyway, moving on. As, as you know, you did a good try. <laughs> oh no, I I cannot carry a tune in a bucket. Like, no, the no. last time that I had to sing like something on here, I don't know what magic Mr. Brandle sprinkled on it, but I am always like half a note sharp on everything I say. I'm just impressed that you're like Mary Lou Retton who can remember any, I can give you a date September 14th, 1991 and you're like, oh, I had a bologna sandwich that day. (laughs) You know? And just because you touched on AbFab I want to quickly just rivet out to go there were two spin-offs of AbFab that one which um, Roseanne tried to do (gasps) did not work Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. did not work at all and then just had the actresses play their roles on the show because the spin-off didn't work. And then another one, like 15 years later, tried to get made working with the same, you know, trying to remake a Ab Fab remake in America. Both times did not work at all. But, but great casts. This is the one thing I'll say about these remakes, like brilliant comedians. So I'm like, it's not their fault. It's all I have to say. They're awesome. Yeah. My family were like huge Roseanne fans, which which means her downfall like really hurt our feelings, right? But I, as a kid, I remember watching Roseanne, and I remember the episode where Patsy and Edina was on, yeah. but it wasn't them, and yeah. it mm -hmm. almost felt like they were drag queens or something. And uh, I don't know, it was is confusing. But that was the solution funny. when the series didn't work. They were like, "Well, they're here, so let's just do this." Yeah. No. And make her win the lottery or something. It was... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, look. Anyway. Go into the fantasy world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Anyway, back to the point. Elsewhere in the news. <laughs> elsewhere in the news. Um, that week, Chariots of Fire made its premiere in the movies and cinemas. Um, John Hinckley made an assassin assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan because he was under the delusion that he was Travis from Taxi Driver and oh, thought yeah. it would impress Jerry Foster. There's Foss. the American insert insertion right there. Still blows right? my mind. Every time I think about that, I'm like, the detail of that is crazy. Right. And Julia Stiles was born this week ah. from Save the Last Dance and uh, 10 Things I Hate About You and all those... Teenage rom-coms from the late jaw, 90s. Clenched jaw acting. <laughs> the Kira, Kira Knightley School of Acting. <laughs> oh, my God. All righty. Let's get All right, into so, it. So are we going to assign parts? How is this going to work? We, we have to describe these episodes because the other episodes, I will say... We assume you all have gone and watched like the Arguing Sir film and the episodes on BritBox or something, but you probably won't be able to find this episode. So just work with us this time, unanimous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're going to be a little bit more expository than normal about you know talking you through the they plot. Have creams but... for that, Jeff. <laughs> but it is a pretty easy plot to follow, and there aren't a lot of visual gags that we're going to have to explain <laughs> in this audio medium. And then she did. So and then he did. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we start with the theme song, uh, which, as Mr. Dean had mentioned, was uh, from John Inman's album. But there's a unique visual opening every week. So it's, you know, just like you get um, uh, in the original, they're doing their you know, kind of background warming up and fixing up the store and taking up the dust cloth. That kind of stays the same. We get a little pose on everyone when their title card comes Cute. up, but they're doing something unique every week. So it's not, there's a pre-roll that just plays for the first 15 seconds. Uh, Mr. Humphreys does his gag where he's taking measurements for the inside leg, but it turns out that he's trying to sell the customer a tie. Oh, Mr. So we Humphreys. already know that all the same homosexual innuendo is going to be right there <laughs> with John and men, right? Um, and we meet our first character, Mrs. Crawford, who is the Mrs. Slocum character, and she's played by June Bronhill, uh, who was an opera singer. And this is actually oh, her first TV role. That's yeah. incredible. And she's great. She is great because she sings in the apartment the other episode I watched. She sings to herself a little bit while she's singing in the apartment. And she's got, you know, obviously a really good voice. Um, unlike Molly Sugden, you know, <laughs> not, not classic. Now we're going to get anti-Molly yeah. Sugden hate mail now. <laughs> Thanks. Um, where else was this, uh, this actor known for? Dean, did, did, did she the pop opera. up elsewhere? This was, yeah, culture? it was opera and opera and opera. Like it was, yeah, like it, it, this was her first TV role. Like, so that's, that's the thing of it. Like she wasn't. So that's wow. what I think makes it even better. <laughs> she's great. 
This is an episode where she gets to shine as well. Yeah, like she yeah. absolutely gets to shine in this episode. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, we also meet uh, the Miss Brahms character who is named Miss Nichols in Australia, and she's by, played by uh, Christina Moore. Uh, and she was better known as playing Jean Vernon in Prisoner, which here in the States, uh, when it's shown here, it's known as Prisoner Cell Block H. Um, and she actually replaced Judith Woodruff, who played the Miss Brahms character, Miss Buxton, in season one. Um, Such and a good one night. of the things that I. Well, yeah, I'm impressed with um, yes. Christina Moore. Like, that's that. I want my last name to be Amor. <laughs> the Amor. Um, one of the things that, that uh, you both were talking about was the, um, the fidelity of the accents, uh, that they were all seem to be kind of upper class. Very RP, and here, received pronunciation. Yeah. Here, Miss Nichols seems to be very working class. Like, it could have, she could have been in East End London. Yeah. I think that she would have fit in here. Are we reading that the right way as American ear, with American ears? Yeah, you absolutely are. Like, this is the interesting thing where if any character was going to go in a completely different direction, this was the one. You know what I mean? But it isn't. Like, you're right. With the accents, it still doesn't quite sit. You know, it's still sitting in favour. Because, and maybe it's just because, imagine if you'd had, you know, Mr. Humphrey surrounded by all these Ocker people. Yeah, you want those panties? Yeah, no problem. They're five cents. You know, it wouldn't, maybe it just wouldn't, wouldn't have rolled the right way because he would have always been the fish out of water. So it was about creating this lake that he could sit in really nicely. But still, yeah, absolutely dips, dips her hat directly towards, you know, the East London type feel without going too hard into it. Interesting. You said the words before, oka. What is that? Is that like the fried green okra, okra stuff you get in the South? I realise I've said it more in this podcast than I think I've ever said in my life. But it's the most brilliant description. Like, oh, it, it, it's like the way Aussies butcher their vowels, like Bonzo, you know, everything's just a little bit more. We, we over, somehow over-accentuate, wrongly articulate and cut off our vowels all at the same time within any kind of word. It's, it's a skill that only Have Australians you been to have. New Jersey? And, <laughs> but yeah, it, and it just, it's, it's that ochre thing of just being like, you know, the way we... I don't know how... Oh God, I've got to... You know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up... Bogan the, versus ochre. Boga versus, you know, I'm doing your, it now. There's I'm, steam coming off your head now, so I, re- I should probably withdraw my question. <laughs> well, no, because I'm realising I don't know how to <laughs> say it. It's not short for awkward. It's not like all no, no, no. afternoon, oh. right? Okay. Oka. No, okay. That, that, I, I've looked up Urban Dictionary, but that's not... It right. makes me want to have, like, a, a person greens. with a heavy Australian accent. That's what it <laughs> means. So that's not helpful. But it was a good description. And just while we're on it, a bogan is um, an Australian and New Zealand slang for a person whose speech, clothing, and attitude and behaviour are considered unrefined and unsophisticated. Okay. There so we go. like I'll buy every it. comedy yeah. show that we ever talk about on this on this podcast, like that's describing the people. Yeah. Benador, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, you know, keeping up appearances. Like that's that's the comedy of people who think that they're fancy. But people who are fancy looking at them, they're like, no, you're not fancy. No. Yeah, and that yeah, disconnect exactly. is where comedy is, I think. At least Absolutely. in these shows. Yeah. Are you the one who's being formulaic about comedy now, Mr. Brandon? Oh, my God. I haven't said the word Ex conflict machina. once yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
So we get our first little plot point on the ladies' counter to see how um, Mrs. Crawford and uh, Miss Nichols interact. And there's a customer who's trying to return a wedding dress because she's been jilted at the altar. And the actor does a great job about just sobbing through her speech where you can barely understand because mm. she's crying so hard. Um, the jilted bride is uncredited, so we have no idea yeah. who this person is. I don't, I don't, I do you recognize out, her? I couldn't find out Someone's either. auntie. Okay. You know, if that's your auntie, yeah. let us know. We'll credit her. Um, very true to Mrs. Slocum, Miss Crawford refuses to give the cash back <laughs> and only will give a credit note for the wedding dress. Yeah. But Miss Nichols, Miss Nichols was the one who sold the special um, honeymoon nighty, and so she decides to give the cash back. And then the and what bride... an ugly nighty it was. <laughs> I just need to throw out that it was. You could it was, you could make it work though, in... Dean. Turn the lights out. Turn the lights out for that <laughs> for that honeymoon. Well, no wonder she was going to be reading War and Peace because she knows she wasn't going to be getting anywhere in that thing. Okay, so, so in case you haven't seen the episode, the, the customer says, I need to return this wedding dress. I was left at the altar. Oh, how terrible. And then, oh, we can't give you the money back, right? And then, uh, oh, I also have the special nighty. And then they take pity on her. Okay, we'll give you the money back. And then she says, I also want to return this book of War and Peace, which is like a thousand pages, which you're not going to wear your nighty if you're going to be wearing War and reading War and right. Peace. So that's the joke. No. Yeah. Uh, we, we cut over to the gentleman's counter and we meet Mr. Mankiewicz, who is the Mr. Granger or the Mr. Goldberg mm-hmm. character, the kind of senior. That's kind of good. Who's played by um, Tony Basil. Uh, known as, also as Mr. Hardy in The Private World of Miss Prim and Mr. McKenzie in The Last of the Australians. Are any of these shows ringing a bell, Dean? Did you watch these growing up? Are they on in reruns now? Are they cult classics? Not to me. They're not, these ones aren't ringing a bell to me at, at all. Okay. They yeah. have no drag queens in it, so he, it, it holds no attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we also meet uh, Shane Bourne, who's playing Mr. Randall, which is the Lucas character. He was on the Hey Hey It's Saturday sketch show, uh, and also Thank God You're Here. Now, he's yeah. a bit ocker, isn't he? He's a bit ocker, absolutely, <laughs> but not too much. Like, it's still leaning towards East London. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's but still... he was the mm-hmm. only one that I, I could detect, oh, he's actually from Australia, not... England, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I thought I had the wrong episode the first time I started listening. Do you know what I mean? I was like, that wait, is no, you pr- very, right very one. possible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Mankiewicz notes that Mr. Humphreys has a very good flair for selling, uh, for persuading people to buy, and then he convinces uh, Mr. Mankiewicz to buy his own stock, to buy a polka dot <laughs> bow tie, right? Uh, th- this is a repetition of a gag that we've seen similar on uh, the UK episode. Yeah. So it's we're not leaning into shot-for-shot shot territory just yet. Um, so because I'm the, you know, I'm the Professor Jeff on the show, I had to think about, all right, well, how upscale is Bone Brothers Department Store as compared to Grace Brothers in terms of what it's, they were selling things Because it's not Grace Brothers. We have for. to remember it's, it's, it's Australian right. whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, young, it's Mr. Grace's cousin. Oh, the, okay. the Bone Brothers. Yeah, I just love the premise. We want the store to do well, so we're flying in someone from the UK. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're we're sending over this middle salesperson, not yeah. even Mr. Rumble, not even Captain Peacock, but we're sending over the Fed is was here, like isn't he? The third year of the Mardi Gras parade in Australia. So, like something amazing, you know, they could have had Mr. Humphreys just leading the parade. That <laughs> it was 1981. They had the Concord. They were optimistic times. You know, let's just give it that. So, Mr. Humphreys sells him the bow tie for um, 
ten fifty to Australian okay, dollars. Okay, yeah. So I was going to ask. I'm sure Mr. Jeff knows how much that's worth because ten fifty. That sounds like a lot. So when you account for inflation, that would be about forty-five Australian dollars today, about thirty-three U.S. dollars, which is a which good price for a bow tie. I don't wear bow ties. I've never bought one. It seemed a little um, uh, a little expensive for me, but if you go to the stores, Meyer has a range between fifty and forty Australian dollars, yeah. and David Jones is like fifty and up. So like David Jones is like an upscale store, like a Selfridges or I love that you googled the two Australian department stores <laughs> that exist in Australia just to check. I love uh, that. So if much. anyone listens to the podcast religiously, they would not be surprised. Actually, no. <laughs> and there's a spreadsheet, I'm sure. <laughs> We, we cut over to the center of the, the uh, gentleman's floor and we meet um, Captain Wagstaff, who is the Peacock character, who's played by Reg Gilliam. Uh, and he was General Marshall in the miniseries The Last Bastion. Uh, Gene is shaking his I head. I was three no. years old when this was on. So, <laughs> my, like, we're talking two or three more years and I remember television, but it was just kind of after yeah. all of this. So, yeah, right. all of, where, where they all sit is in a very different space in my brain. Right, yeah. Yeah, so none of I these mean, are like... I mean, Prisoner Yes, that right. absolutely, you know. Right. That guy. Okay, so no, nothing else has like uh, landed me, in the no. cultural zeitgeist where no. it's like, oh yeah, even though I wasn't alive for this popular TV show in the 1960s, I've heard I know of about it. Yeah, yeah. No. no, okay. It sounds like Mr. Dean, too, is also very young. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like... Um, Unlike the UK, where we had a lot of veritable who's who's, where people were on shows that were recognizable, yeah. um, it, it, we don't have the same. Although we do see that a lot of these characters are both on um, Prisoner, and we also see that a lot of them made um, one-offs in Neighbors. Yeah, rest in peace. Oh well, I um, mean, you know what's funny that here I know the the news is out and the filming of Neighbors stops in. As for another tangent, this thirty-seven years this soap opera has been going in Australia and the UK and the fi- and the filming is going to stop in on the 10th of June. So they they've got like a few months to wrap everything up and Channel 10 are still trying to find someone to buy in. That's well the whole sad. reason that it's stopping is cuz the UK is dropping it. Like they've got Channel such five. a fan base there yeah. that the UK is dropping it they're not going to give the money anymore and that's funding ha- half of it. So yeah. that's and a that's, shock. That, I mean that's been the way for years. If if the UK hadn't stepped in to fund it it wouldn't have been continuing as long as it mm. has. So and that's the part of it where now it's just trying to find someone else to fit that bill. So they've turned around and gone they they haven't decided they haven't They've written two endings, one that if it might continue and one if it might not. Oh, wow. So Neighbors, oh, in case okay. you've never heard of it, if you're from the States, let's say, um, 37 years running, huge, huge, huge soap opera, filmed in, the, uh, yeah. in Australia, but also shown every, every day, I guess, or week in the UK. So yeah, it's, five days know. a week. And, and literally the 80s was this height for it where it just captured everybody. Like it was a, it was a soap opera that was on one network, Channel 7, didn't that they dropped it? Channel Ten picked it up, mm-hmm. and and it just hit, hit, and then the eighties was where it just kind of exploded, exploded over in the UK, and it's just kept on going. And then when the UK bought in, they brought a lot of that. What they do with soap operas with the BBC and stuff like that is they really work a lot of real life situations, yeah, in yeah, adult, yeah. adults mm-hmm. only specials, and that translated through because we would never have cared about that in Australia, and it just made it even better. It's true. It's tricky to to speak to Americans, I think, and back me up here, Mr. Jeff. That just in general or about TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole 
another podcast. But in terms of, of soap operas, um, we don't... I, I, I'm curious. My When I was in the UK for six months, um, Coronation Street, Corrie, and EastEnders, it was like... EastEnders. It was so much more than what we consider soap operas because we have, like, yes. The Young of the Restless and Days of Our Lives. And, like, I grew up, like... What when you were sick as a little kid and you'd stay home from school, you'd see day of the, mm. Days of Our Lives and everyone knows and ours that. Are on, we have Days of Our Lives and that they're all on between like 11 and 1 and Bold and the Beautiful is on at 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Like none of them are on as late night type kind exactly. of thing. Well, you, you've exactly hit on the big it. Point because it just seems that's like what it is. W- when you're only able to watch it in the middle of the day, you're not able to get people who go to the office and go working and da da da. Yeah. But over in, in the UK and I suppose neighbors in Australia, it was probably aired in the evening when people had time to yes, watch it, right? Six thirty, seven o'clock, seven o'clock. So at prime night time stuff. These aired, so it was like, but it was like a family soap kind of thing as well. So mm-hmm. even though they dip into those same storylines that all the other, you know, the American soap operas do, mm-hmm. you know, but they really, you know, and we've tried to make, we've had series that have tried to be like the daytime soap opera type thing in Australia. And it just, we, it, for some reason, we care about the American ones more. We don't care about the Australian ones as much. Like it's just got a, mm. hit, a different tone. And even the UK have done the same kind of thing. They had crossroads and stuff like that. And, it, and it's fine, but I guess, I, I, maybe it's even just from a funding point of view because it sits within a family type show or focusing on issues or things like that. I, if American soap operas tried to do that, they do it, but there's still that airy fairy part to it. I mean, I'm grateful. We've got binge here in Australia, so I've been able to catch up in the past six months on Days of Our Lives, Bold and Beautiful, Young and the Restless. Like, I'm watching them now. On the weekends, I'll put it on while I'm making my breakfast and catch up on what's going on this Love week. It. It's great. It's funny, when I was watching Corey yeah. in uh, the UK, I mean, the production value, I, I toured the, the the site where they film it. Oh, I walked down Coronation Street, like the Rover's Return. And um, it's it's a, it's taken very seriously. And it's like they've invested like yeah. 70 million pounds and like all this stuff. And then I went home and I watched it because I'm like, maybe I'm a soap opera queen. Maybe this is my thing. <laughs> so then I watched an episode of, uh, Bolden, um, of uh, Days of Our Lives. And there was like this lady who had a lot of work done who was like, leaning against a wall with ivy and it was clear it was supposed to be outdoors but it was clearly inside a studio and like the yeah. ivy was clearly <laughs> fake ivy and it was like shiny yeah. because of the lighting and i thought this is not the same thing <laughs> so it, it's the, there's a difference between daytime soap operas and and this is the thing with the uk and all of that stuff these shows were made to be on at night their most yeah. popular episodes like it's a ratings battle christmas eve and new year's eve mm, and yeah. christmas mm-hmm. day is is like a literal ratings battle where it's like you know, Coronation Street would have two one-hour episodes on Christmas Day where they would build to a storyline, they would have the the normal time slot, would have a one-hour episode on, and then three hours later, you've got the next part to it and everyone would watch. Same with EastEnders, all of it. Like, it, it, it's... While in Australia, if there's a public holiday, like around Christmas time, they it's only when the UK bought in that they started making, like, episodes for the whole year round, mm-hmm. you know? But it was it's yeah. that thing where our ratings period ends at the start of December so the show would stop and then it would come back and it's this, it is literally people have grown up with them they spend their evenings watching it they're invested in the characters yeah. but also when you look at the wealth of it yeah the American soap operas there are a couple of older actors that maintain their roles within these shows that mm-hmm. were made popular in the 80s but when you look at the UK the older characters are still just as much it's like this lived experience and when it started you know when say East Ender started it was meant to be those people you know living in the East End and, and their actual lives and so the, the story 
storylines were really divorce, alcoholism, and an affair. You know, and mm-hmm. as we, it's getting, it, and it's still just, it still works. You know, it's just great. And sadly, but it's, this thing is going away with neighbors, which is so bad. Yeah. I know. Look, it's 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 honestly heartbreaking. Every time I've had someone here from the UK, I've had to drive them to Vermont South to Pinot Court to uh, <laughs> just look at the houses and. Uh, it's it's just yeah it's it's it is the end of an era. I have a lot of friends that are like devastated by this because it's just yeah, it, you know I you know and as much as I wouldn't religiously watch Neighbours anymore as much unless there was a big storyline, I still listen to podcasts of people that love watching it mm. and oh, and yeah. that's the hard yeah it's but every every country has its own formula like in the uk they do a lot of outdoor and in and small indoor set filming you know and and he, we do the same thing here in australia yeah. but in the us when you're dealing with the daytime soap operas a lot of them are in la where they're filmed you know and they're meant to be set yeah, in the world so they yeah. make it look like a soundstage they don't have to fake it they don't worry about it and they but what i love the most is you've got these half an hour or one hour shows i'm sorry we've tangented anyone that doesn't care about soap operas <laughs> These half an hour people are listening with beaded breath. Trust me. Well, what I love is that's their day. Like they filmed that one hour in a day. As a as an entertainer, I think it's amazing to watch because unlike say a one hour series where everyone works amazingly, you've got time to rehearse. These actors have to learn their lines, do some basic blocking, and get it in three takes, and then move on to the next one because that one hour of entertainment is their nine to five job. And I love that. You know, like to think in in a week they've made five hours of tele or, or even two and a half hours of television and it's just great i love it sorry back to the point of what <laughs> we're here for wait what are we talking about neighbors which was right. yes neighbors is going and that's what cliff yeah, cliff, yeah. a moment of silence for neighbors <laughs> yeah um so we learned the whole plot of this episode right is that um Mr. Humphreys had to have a work permit in order to work uh, in Australia, mm-hmm. but the company screwed up his application. Uh, the, the work permit actually wasn't sent into the immigration department, and they can't tell Mr. Bone about the missing form because that would mean admitting incompetence. So they have to find the missing one somewhere in the state. So we'll just like deport this poor innocent person. <laughs> right. But unfortunately, the immigration officer is already at the store. Yeah. So Mr. Humphreys has to hide until he leaves. Which is... So we start to yeah. get like... It's a terrible you know, the, idea. The plot like, okay, of what's going they could have like figured out a better way to make this happen. But now but we yeah. get to hide Mr. Humphreys, which of course I wish he had done We drag. get to disguise Mr. Humphreys. Oh yes. my God, so good. <laughs> but what a... Oh, such a good moment. Yeah. Um, so we get to meet also Mr. Fennec, who is the Rumbled character, who is played by Ken Frazier. Um, a country practice, number 96. And uh, yep. yes. Both I know very okay. much because they okay. were soap operas. A country practice was on two, hour, two, hour, two one-hour episodes. And number 96, even though I was never alive for, I have watched through videos and mm. YouTubes because it was the first Australian series to have... Um, a gay kiss on it. So I was like, Aww. oh, I should find out what this is as a young kid. Lovely. And it was a raunchy, a raunchy soap opera where they had tits and stuff. It was great. <laughs> oh, little Skinamax. It was, it, that was okay. the adult soap opera. Do you know what I mean? That was the adult soap opera. And as opera, a little boy, Dean thought, I want to wear those when I'm an adult man. <laughs> <laughs> so the immigration man is in Mr. Fennec's office and he doesn't recognize the person that's described on the form at all. Uh, but he's holding an application for Australian citizenship, right? It's not like it's an eight all points bulletin. It, it's yeah. like, so 
Mr. Humphreys at some point did apply for Australian citizenship or the store applied on his behalf. So I don't understand what paperwork is missing. It sounds like they're on a witch hunt to expel the homosexual. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa, <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut right there. Because that's never happened. Um, <laughs> never, never happened. I mean, haven't you seen Queer as Folk? I mean, yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Another. Now, there's an example of one that I think translated well. Another reboot that translated beautifully. And the amazing Queer as Folk created by Russell T. Davis um, had one season in America and it did so well, uh, in uh, the UK, sorry. It did so well that they made a um, movie miniseries for the second season. An absolutely amazing series. The, U the US um, reboot did this, made it perfectly fit. I think it was, um, what's his name, Brockheimer that did it? Mm. Um, uh, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And, and went, we're going to take this because it works so well, move it to America, change certain elements. I hate the first season of it because it's very much up until the very end, the entire first season of the UK one. But that's when the life continued on it and it just kept doing better mm -hmm. because they grew the characters, changed it, had more elements to it. And as soon as they got past the first season, the US version now is still one people talk about today in Australia. It's still just, yeah, bam. I haven't seen the UK yeah. version of Queer as Folk. Which, oh my oh, god! Oh. It's it's so much better and Find it's amazing. It get, get out the defibrillator for Mr. Dean. I have it, and if push comes to shove, I will fly over this year with a GVD. Did you bring it in your luggage on. on Qantas business? I will class. bring it in my luggage. <laughs> we'll just All watch the it. way over. We're going to go down to have some tea in a bit, and we'll watch. We'll pop in a DVD. DVD. Lovely. <laughs> Kim, you've got to return those DVDs. You can find in excess of ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> I love where you start, off, you start off so well and then it just loses its way. <laughs> and they're under her mattress. <laughs> Much like this podcast. Okay. Um, the last character that we meet is Mr. Cocker, who is the Mr. Master, Mr. Harmon uh, character played by Reg Evans. Uh, he was also on Prisoner as one of the detectives and he was also in another TV police procedural, uh, Blue Healers. Um. So they they dress Mr. Cock they dress Mr. Humphreys out as Bruce, Mr. Cocker's assistant in the which is the butcher's department. name, of course. Right, apparently Grace. it's the butcher's name in, in Australia. Joffrey, um, no, Butch, no. no, Bruce, yeah. And so he's got a pot belly, a sleeveless flannel shirt, a cork hat, a rope for a belt. He's drinking a can of VB. He's supposed to be outback bogan, right? Yeah. Um, What's a cork and hat? He keeps we, need to, the... we need to discuss the hat. I thought those were corks from the wine. Corks from yeah. wine, right? Like with string on them. Uh, in a in a. It, it, I don't know why corks were ever a part of it, but I've grown up constantly being like, I'm going to look like a bush person, so I've got to put corks on the hat. Um, but yeah, but I, now that I think I about it, I'm like, it, I don't like know gets why. The flies away, maybe. Maybe it was That's... to keep the flies away. It wouldn't help yeah, him with any other function of wearing a hat. <laughs> they would whack you in the face. But as a kid, we used to love just, yeah, dressing up and putting the corks on the hat. The things you learn. And it gave mum and dad an excuse to drink wine. <laughs> there you go. Now, did, did he read like someone from Broken Hill? Like, was that, did that come oh, across God, no. or was... Yeah. <laughs> but it was great. Like, I love this scene so much. Like, just watching him have fun with trying to you know, not be his own character and emulate. I just love it. This this whole skit was fantastic for me. Yeah, what did he... He, he threw in as many Australian words as he knew. He said something about... Yeah. Um, um, Wallabong or some... 
<laughs> yeah. I, I don't even remember. And I mean, and then, then I look at it and go, I'm pretty sure there was the script and then there was what he did. You know, it had a whole different life to itself and it was great. And he just like inserted the word didgeridoo, which admittedly does yeah. sound quite Australian. <laughs> which you've also well. done, Brandon, in this episode. Well, yes, koala and yeah. Mr. Humphreys keeps up the ruse for about 15 seconds, but when he goes to cross the floor <laughs> to dust the mannequin, he picks up his prance again. He, and he does it. that little mincing walk back over, and he's carrying the purse in the crook of his elbow, and the immigration man knows exactly mm-hmm. who he is. I want you. Well, they all say that, but you have to catch me but first. But you have to catch me first. <laughs> it does the little run around the department. It is so cute that he, like, dashes up the uh, stairs to the lift, and then the other guy, like, starts sweeping to, like, make the guy not catch him. And, um... Do you know what I love? In sitcoms, lifts are never work that fast unless you need to get away from someone. Like, they never work. The yes. doors never close that quickly. <laughs> and I love how when he's being carried um, on someone's shoulder... Um, He's, like, kicking his little legs, you know, like, which is, like, comedy, like, I'm being captured or something. It's so <laughs> cute. It's like, he's like, he was like a cartoon character in this whole skit. It was great. So, yeah. Mr. Dean, um, you just flew in Qantas business class. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, I did. And you yes. have called... I had Vegemite and cheese sandwiches. They were lovely. I was going to say. I was going to say. Um, did you bring any... Do you have any extra little snackaroos or... T- tiny teddies or I may funnies. have hidden away some some Tim Tams and maybe we could go and have a Tim Tam slam down in the tea room. <laughs> that will be grand. Um, let's go down to the cafeteria. We've uh, we've we've put little uh, stuffed koala bears on all of the um, tables and little uh, Australian flags just for you. So, so I can feel at home. Yes, exactly, because that's what we imagine a Melbourne looks like. So we will come right back after a quick tea break with Mr. Dean and some Tim Tams. Mr. Dean, we hope that the Australian cuisine in the northern Mississippi uh, cafeteria canteen was up to your liking. What did you end up picking? I kept traditionally with my Tim Tam Slam and a lamington. So the lamington was delicious and fluffy. Sounds and the painful. Tim Tam Slam is... Not at all, but when you take a Tim Tam biscuit that I bought on the flight and you break off two corners of it, you dip it in your tea and then suck all the chocolate out of the biscuit with the tea soaking into it. Delicious. Oh, see, that's illegal in Northern Mississippi. Oh. We'll have to edit that out. We, we, we can't let anyone know you did that. Okay. So I think the US version of that is... Now, Mr. Brandon, keep me honest here. When you go to the movie theater... And what kind of candy do you order? Do you have at the movie theater? Peanut M and M's, unsalted, unbuttered popcorn. Oh my God, you heathen! No, <laughs> you you ha- you take the Twizzler or a Red Vine, oh, which is no. our artificial licorice. No, you bite the you bite the ends off of it, make a straw, and drink your soda through the licorice straw. That is movies. not in any way, shape, or form anything <laughs> like a Tim Tam Slam. That is also much more wrong than having this is Australian peanut M&M's being processed through yeah. America. Outrage. <laughs> the outrage I have. One time we're going to watch a movie and I'm going to teach you how it's done. That's ridiculous. Well, I had fairy bread. Lovely. There, that's it. That's the one little that's Australian perfect. thing I know. It's all about having the right piece of white bread. Okay, so teach us what fairy bread is. I think the, the fairy listeners... Fairy bread have, is white bread. Yeah. It can never be... Everyone tries to do it with other bread. You've got to take white, sang, like, sandwich bread, so it's thinly stri- sliced, mm-hmm. 
then put butter on top of it and then you just get hundreds and thousands that you put on a cake and put it on the bread and then you cut it so it's they're, they're like triangles and so it's just sprinkles a hundred, is what we would call hundreds sprinkles, and thousands is that what you call hundreds of thousands so it's yeah. just sprinkles on butter on bread and it's delicious <laughs> whenever uh, my nieces or nephews have kids parties I'm like there is a plate for the children and there is always a plate separate for me <laughs> the same size might I add absolutely same size I love fairy bread is it do you put hundreds and thousands on ice cream as well yes okay yeah on ice cream on cakes but on bread but it's only something you do for a birthday party like it's you don't just walk around okay. being like who wants fairy bread but it's a birthday party thing that we do because I thought hundreds and thousands were uh, non-pareils, not sprinkles slash jimmies. What I don't know what that means. Oh God. Okay, so are they? Are they? You've got to get like the circle sphere ones. shaped. Yeah, you've got to there's, get the sphere spheres. ones. They're tiny spheres. Okay. People get the long ones, and the long ones are wrong because they're made a little differently and they're softer. They're fine for ice cream, but only if you're going to have like chocolate topping or something with it. If you have got it just it. with the okay. ice cream, you've got to have the sphere ones. I'm very specific about how. I'm even worse. My housemate, when I make tacos, you've got to cut everything just right. But yeah, it's it's the, the trick with the, um, fairy bread is you've got to get the circle ones. Uh, they got sit it. and taste better and sit within the butter perfectly. The the long sprinkly one, nah, nah. There's a lot of okay. science. Do they teach this in science yeah. class in Australian high school? This is just how we grew up. This is what you do. I love it. You, you, you learn the nut bush and you learn how to make fairy <laughs> I mean, it's like what you do. Yeah, so there's the little tiny sphere ones in America, they're called nonpareils. Them. And then the, the longer ones that you put on ice cream, in most of America, they're called sprinkles, except for South Jersey, Philadelphia area, Jimmies. they're called jimmies. <laughs> jimmies. Oh my, what, what the hell? We do speak the and same it's, language, it's... but only just. But yeah, just barely. Just barely. Um, I had pavlova. Uh, All to yourself, the whole pavlova. The entire thing. Did you have it with strawberries or with kiwi fruit? Well, I had it with strawberries, of course, because this is the Australian episode, not the New Zealand episode. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a point of cultural difference. Did you you enjoy um, the Kool-Aid pickles from uh, northern Mississippi that we we shared or the uh, fried assortment of vegetables? Uh, fried vegetables, I can't, just can't. I, it's the, every every time I come to America and I try to get any kind of healthy food, the only thing I can find is fried vegetables and it blows my mind. It's a cultural exchange down in the cafeteria. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so, where were we in the episode, Mr. Jeffrey? So, in the, in the canteen stroke cafeteria stroke tea room, uh, the staff are discussing uh, Mr. Humphrey's um, plight. Uh, who else would have jumped out of the, the window with an umbrella dressed as a nun? Like he's trying to escape the immigration. Sounds man. like something Mr. Humphreys would do. <laughs> and we get uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Captain Wagstaff. Well, we should have known that they don't wear lipstick. Right? So, <laughs> Any excuse. Great gags here. Right. It turns out that Mr. Humphreys has 48 hours to get out of the country. Oh. He's, he's getting deported. He's got Which is be. actually very generous for as deportations go. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Because usually they detain you and put you on the next... Normally they would just send you away and you're on the next flight out of the country. I've seen Border Patrol. I know how this works. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, no, that is, that is very generous. But of course they need that in order to have the plot, in order to get yeah. them some way to stay in the country. Because... He's not, you know, sneaking in. He did have that application form, just not the mm. work permit, right? Um, Mrs. Crawford and Miss Nichols start crying, and so does Mr. Humphreys. And we get that great bit where he's, you know, like the jilted bride, he's 
He's speaking through his sobs, barely getting his words out. He grabs Captain Wagstaff's handkerchief, blows his nose, and puts it back. A great trope that we've seen time and time again. I'm surprised he didn't say, keep it. Like when he gave it back to him. Like right. I was just waiting for him to say, no, the, please keep it, Mr. Humphries. But right. he didn't. But if he had, then this next bit wouldn't have worked. That's right. <gasps> we right. Because we, we meet the canteen manageress. I'm glad that they brought this character in. Uh, played by Bernadette Gibson, who was um, on Prisoner as well. And she doesn't believe the news. She comes in roaring, thinking that they're crying about the food, the quality of the food, because <laughs> they're complaining. But she hears the news, no, yes, no, yes, and they go back and forth, and she starts crying, right? He has left quite an impression already. How long has he and been then, at, at Bones? Is it like six months, do they ever say? Well, it's, uh, it's season two, so we have to yeah. assume at oh, least okay, a year. Yeah. So he's, okay, so he's yeah. had time to, to, to work his charms. Yeah. Well, all he um, did is a day. <laughs> right with his fairy cake because things <laughs> very uh the chef comes in uh and he's not angry like um luigi but you know the the bad oh, italian, the italian chef. there's an absolute that. mario okay. brothers feel to it though there really <laughs> is <laughs> there is but he he doesn't speak like he's ordering ravioli no, yeah. at the olive garden you know yeah. he's he doesn't have that bad <laughs> that's accent. how i order mine actually <laughs> um it's uh Cindy jackson is the actor who plays him who was also on prisoner uh, on the Flying Doctors and Chances. No, any of those? I know all of these. Oh, my God. Uh, Mr. Mankiewicz comes up with the idea that Mr. Humphreys should get married because if he got married, then they'd have to let him stay in Australia in order to support his wife. Hello, 1981 calling. Yeah. But, you know, just a reminder of where we are in the world yeah. and time. That, that's, that's the if reason. If only it was that easy to stay in a country, like, wow. Right. Even then, I mean, definitely not that easy now, but even no. then, I'm sure it wouldn't be like, oh, here's your, oh, you're uh, being arrested for deportation, you have a marriage license? Oh, okay, you can stay. No, that's yeah. not the way that it would have worked. Uh, but apparently, Mrs. Crawford says it's very common to marry someone to get a work permit, but you do have to cohabit temporarily, uh, and then you get a quick divorce. Miss um, Nichols is not... Um, interested in the idea. You know, imagine having to lie next to a big, hairy, snoring, beer-drinking man for a few hundred dollars. <laughs> and Miss Crawford has the stars in her eyes. Yeah, oh, can you imagine it? Can you imagine? She asked Mr. Humphreys, can you imagine it, Mr. Humphreys? And she gives him a little nudge, a knowing nudge, as if, you know, it's the open secret. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, because he'd also be interested in imagining lying next to a beer-drinking man. But he didn't take all. it. I thought he was going to say something like, what do you think I can imagine it? Something like that. <laughs> but he didn't. Yeah. We get a really good repeat of one of my favorite lines um, uh, uh, in the UK show that Mr. Randall says, well, Mr. Humphreys, you could advertise young, handsome, virile male seeks temporary mate. And Captain Wagstaff replies, I'm sure Mr. Humphreys does not want to contravene the Trade Description Act. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in the UK, was the response to Mrs. Slocum being um, 21 with a... Long blonde hair. And a, yeah. Right, right. 21 Which, with long blonde hair. <laughs> Which, coincidentally, was in the episode that Dean visited on this last time. <laughs> <laughs> So Dean thinks I say that on every episode of the podcast. <laughs> it actually hurts my voice when I do it. 
Mrs. Crawford finally agrees that she's going to, um, she'll do it as a favor and isn't going to seek any money uh, in return. No. But she does take advantage mm. about buying, you know, all sorts of things, which we'll get to. She does put one condition on, though. Um, as long as you don't mind my pussy jumping about in the night. She sleeps on the bed and she's always dreaming of mice. So we get our first pussy joke of this episode in this country for us. I have to say, um, I did notice that the Australian uh, audience did not seem to fall to pieces like I was expecting them to do with the pussy joke. I oh, think in I this think, particular one, they didn't, yeah. I think it's because with so much going on with this, that pussy joke was there and it was cute, but it's where she goes with it next. And the, you know what I mean? Like, it was good, mm -hmm. but with all this comedy that we had just had, normally when we have Mrs. Slocum's pussy, like, it pows. Do you know what I mean? It, it, that, that, I, I didn't mean to make nice that sound. Nicely chosen word. I actually did a fist bump, <laughs> um, which I'm like, wow. I, I'm not, yeah. But normally, like, the, the, the build-up is to the pussy joke being the joke. That's not the case with this one. There's so many other elements in play. That yeah, the pussy that's joke the point. is just there. The next pussy joke later is the one that takes the hit. But if it's that same thing again with you've got all this great comedy, you've got to takes juggle it around. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not even not meaning to say these things the way I'm saying them. Oh my god! It's like you're making. It's like you're doing that that skit where they just. But Mr. Captain Peacock, you remember I have lovely nipples. And then she runs away. Yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. from, from, okay, you've got to, everyone, you've got to look up on YouTube, fast forward, are you being served? That's the, it's literally like, they, they yeah, it's hilarious. I'll post it on our social media. So you, you, you all will see it a lot of times. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very self-aware send up. Yeah. Which does a good job of explaining why we think it's funny by being very explicit about. If you listen to the podcast, <laughs> you will like it. I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Mr. Humphreys is not sure about this at all, about getting married, because uh, I've been a confirmed bachelor for a long time, a lot more confirmed than you may think. And then Mr. Mankiewicz puts it on the table. It's either marry Mrs. Crawford or get deported. And we get a great Lucas-esque uh, aside from Mr. Randall says, well, I know which one I'd prefer. And then the Miss, the June Brohill gives this great, Molly Sugden face. She pulls this snarl yes. where you can almost hear her growling under her breath. So we, again, anytime we've got conflict, it's funny. And we see that little Randall versus Crawford. And I'm wondering in the rest of the shot for shots that they did, if they played that up in the Australian version, hmm. if we still got that push and pull between young Mr. Randall and slightly older experienced Mrs. Crawford. Yeah, there was something really amazing that Molly Sugden was able to do that she was just like, don't cross her. And like the way she was able to contort her face in those grimaces, um, the um, um, of the American version, like she, the, the yeah. actor... Um, Charlotte Ray. Charlotte Ray, thank you. Um, she, she didn't really do that. Um, this actress doesn't do it as much but i don't know it, it's hard to, when you're comparing to molly sugden it's it's difficult mm -hmm. i yeah. think because you don't want to just be but that's the point like if you you just try to copy molly sugden it won't work you know what i mean yeah. like it's never going to land that same way so it's about taking the elements of that copycat and kind of thing work. yeah and, and for this i think it works perfectly you know what i mean like but it's just if you were just trying to be her 
it, it just wouldn't, it, it, exactly, it just wouldn't land. So it's about being, taking the elements and, but also I do feel like there is that different power dynamic mm-hmm. to the one that we had and it works in a nicer way. So it, it keeps Mr. Humphreys as that central character. Otherwise the others would pull away from it. It's cool because you, I mean, you are in the entertainment business. That's like your profession. And you are like, if you said your name around Melbourne and most of Australia, I imagine people are like, oh, I know that name. Oh, like the famous, we, we were, it, we've, it's a coup, Mr. Jeff, that we have him on the show twice. <laughs> but you know of what you speak. So, you know, it's, it's cool that you kind of know that you can't just copy people. And you, you've, you've probably done this because you've, you've done a lot of different characters and, and you have Frock Hudson yeah. and all of these things. And, so and that's, that's really interesting. Think, yeah, and that, but this is the thing about it as well. When you look at this mm. show like this, where it's taking the, it's taking homage to all the characters, but giving them different names, putting them in a different setting, and putting them in a different country. So you, you've got to, if, if this had just been a recreation, then it would, it wouldn't have hit. So it's like we know everyone understands what, what, what their role is within the piece, and they've just got to twist it slightly, which yes. I think is really great. It's just all about that comic timing, and a show like this. Like, and even when we're once again, her first television role, what a great space to play with comedy and to learn about the craft of comedy. I want to ask you, um, because the confirmed Bachelor joke, this is 1981. Um, You've kind of mentioned that (laughs) one of the other uh, uh, shows that one of the other actors was on was the first same-sex kiss uh, on Australian TV. Um, Would you think that, like, the the way that homosexuality was dealt with back then in Australian television, was mm. it wildly well, different than what probably happened in the US or the UK? Or was it all kind of the no. same? God, no. Like, we only had the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria mm. 40 year, 41 years ago. So it, it really wasn't. And remember, this is like a couple of years before the right. cusp of yeah. um, the AIDS... A couple, a couple uh, of months, right. The AIDS crisis. But what's interesting about when... I, when I, spe- it's, it's, when I speak to people about what it was like before then, they're actually like, it was a very, even though, you know, there was lots of stigma and, and legal um, problems created in the world for women as well, like not just for same-sex couples, sure. but for mm-hmm. anyone marginalised, there was also this amazing liberation, which I get, gives a lot of watching 70s shows that play with this tongue-in-cheek thing, like Mr. Humphrey's Confirmed Bachelor, all that different stuff, gives a new life to it, where it wasn't actually until um, when... It, it, I don't know why last year I did a whole lot of interviews and research. Because you stuff. couldn't leave your house, I think. Was. But it was... <laughs> well, possibly, yeah. I had nothing else to do. But the interesting scope about it all was actually that it took this twist and turn where there was a sexual freedom. It wasn't a sexual liberation, but there was, wasn't the stigma with being um, in sex-positive spaces, in, in just people's relationships. It wasn't in that same way. So you could have someone being a confirmed bachelor and everyone knows. It actually wasn't, it really changed the face of everything when AIDS hit. Because sure. then mm. it became a disease that was, that was the danger and then that stigma. So it is that part of it where you look at it and goes, everyone understands there are still social issues, there are still legal problems that exist within the world and within the capitalist society that we're a part of, but everyone does that wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing, which was happening for years. It really wasn't until like, yeah, a couple of, you know, a year or so later when 
everything changed around the world, that it took on a different life that we see more now. And that's the interesting thing when everyone uses it. Oh, that's why. Because it was talking about... (laughs) Sorry, the reason I was researching it was because of the realities of what it's like for trans Mm. people and gay people now. And the situation with it is so many people when I was talking to it, they're like, the stigma that exists now wasn't there in the 70s. It wasn't there in the very early 80s. It wasn't there until the AIDS crisis. And then it got to have this new life, which is the only one that generations know Mm -hmm. now. So that's why the confirmed bachelor, all of these jokes, they hit even more and they were so blatant and what makes them so good but as far as things being okay they weren't like we still had you know people cruising for anonymous sex and being murdered and all those different things some of those crime you know have just occurred the people have been found this year from 78 and stuff so it's all pretty crazy and huge but it's it plays when you realize that and then because when i then went back and watched episodes i'm like for me it takes that layer of mr humphreys and that layer of comedy and and the knowing wink that everyone knows and gives it this whole new life which i think is really you awesome speak so eloquently dean about all of this <laughs> like i really want you to do like a podcast or a write a book <laughs> or something that would be very very interesting to read so that's my feedback for you <laughs> So do do more work. Okay, cool. <laughs> I love it. You're so you're so well spoken about. And that's why we brought you back. Yeah. I don't know. I just like talking about things I'm passionate about. I don't know. It's what I. <laughs> True. It's it's the years of doing radio that I know how to just form it and talk it. Yeah. <laughs> we cut back downstairs to the to the floor, and Mrs. Crawford is going to go buy two rings: one for the engagement ring and one for the wedding ring. <laughs> as well as buying the wedding dress that was returned earlier today, which she didn't give the cash back for. She gave a credit note, so she's going to get the double commission on this. Oh, my God. Like, she's really starting to make out. And I want to work Mr. at Humphreys. Bone Brothers. <laughs> right? We see Mr. Humphreys starting to suffer financially of this. Even though he has, doesn't have to give her money for the marriage, he's now having to pay, right? And he starts to think about backing out, but uh, Mr. Mankiewicz reminds him that uh, Mrs. Crawford would sue for breach of promise. So this used to be a thing in a lot of countries around the world. It was abolished mostly in the U.S. in the 1930s, um, and that's what led to diamond engagement rings being becoming popular as a, a promise of financial security um, to the to the bride. But there are still breach of promise laws in the states in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, where you can sue for like emotional distress. Uh, and in, even in Illinois, you could sue for the costs associated with becoming engaged and then having it fall Okay, through. there are bombs going off in my brain, wow. so let me just back up. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, in 1912, let's say, in, in, okay. in, in Louisiana, I'll just choose a random state. If okay. I propose marriage to a lady... Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, you know what? Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetical world in this environment, okay, folks? Um, and then I'm like, you know what, Susie? I'm going to go join the Merchant Marines or whatever. Never mind. She Typical. could sue me because I promised to marry her. Just at the YMCA. That's right. <gasps> and you promised to set her up for a life of financial security. 
And that's but what what you need to understand. Right. Is, yeah, it's not just about the promise, but what that promise meant at that time was she was going to be yet yeah, the security that it would bring and all that like all that legal stuff that comes with it. We live in this space and place now where you know there people can enter into marriage on an equal footing should they wish. Back then, that was her shot, right? Because you know women were treated so differently. Yeah, that was yeah. that was your shot of that's a crazy line was be- the guy. going from becoming your father's property to becoming your husband's property. <laughs> The, the world is a very yeah. funny place. It's still, and this wasn't that, what still blows my mind, it wasn't yeah. that far ago. Far, right. It wasn't that long ago. Um, women you know in I mean? the US, like, I wow. think it was uh, 1974, they weren't able to get their own credit card. Credit cards. You know, they had to get it yeah. through their, their husband. We talked about that in the last episode as well when I was on. Oh, uh, did we? Yes, we absolutely did. We, did. <laughs> we absolutely did. But I, I love the, the fact that that's when like diamond engagement rings, like here's a promise. I'm going to give you this very expensive ring. So if I leave, you at least have this ring you could sell. That's blowing my mind. Yeah. It's always that interesting thing, I think, if when it's, people do separate with, do you take the ring back or do you not? Like, you paid for it. Like, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. It's always interesting. It's Yeah, it's crazy how everything gets interconnected back to this idea of patriarchy or yeah. back to this idea of whiteness yeah. being the default. And it's, I think, now in, you know, the most, in the past two years is that we as a general world society are able to look at these things um, through these kind of new lenses that we've been given and realize how the things that you don't even think are yeah. connected to something as systematic as the patriarchy or whatever. And yeah. what's interesting yeah. in a lot, a lot of places, yeah. um, some countries are kind of moving away from that idea about marriage. What does that mean? So if you take a, two, two people who live together and all but married by name, are you going to treat them differently legally within your framework as in... As, as a couple who have gotten down to the church or whatever. So I know in Canada, um, they do common law marriage. Like if you live together and you have a bank account or whatever, you don't have to actually get married, but the country, the government will treat you as married. And, and you know, so it's sort of like, why would, why just signing a thing makes you wow. more of a couple than someone who doesn't. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting takes on that in different countries around the world. So I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Even in I the United States, it. It, it's it's weird. Like, uh, uh, as the queer community has fought for marriage equality, and we're getting it in more and more countries around the world, mm. in the States, we're starting to see that kind of do a little bit of a 360 back to this idea of accepting common law marriages, right? So since marriage equality has passed, a lot of states have extended domestic partnership to... Um, not just same gender couples, yeah. but also yeah. traditionally binary opposite gender couples. Um, and I, I know in a lot of states, if you're over the age of retirement and you are not married, but you're in what's known as a traditionally opposite sex couple, you're treated like you're married for the purposes hmm. of benefits, social security and all of that. Oh, it's wow. just automatic now which is so weird. Like, this is the thing that we've fought for for so many years, and now the government's like, yeah, whatever, everybody's married. But isn't that funny? <laughs> like, it was fought for for so many years, and then you've got the next layer of it where where I'm... Oh, because we've had the two years in lockdown, basically here in Victoria and different parts of Australia, where everyone's relationships got accelerated by about five to seven years. <laughs> so yeah. now we've got that situation where I'm like... People are, a lot of people are amicably starting this year divorcing from their same-sex marriages. That we oh, wow. are here in Australia only got same-sex um, marriage passed 
four years and two months ago. And we are literally in a scenario where, and it's only because of those two years of lockdown where everything changed for everybody in such a degree that they're like, we're in a good place, but we're going to end this. And it's so interesting to look at. Well, as it it is, two years in gay time is like 20 years of straight time as it is. (laughs) But within COVID as well, which triples COVID as well, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sheesh. Um, Mr. Mankiewicz gives Mr. Humphreys the bill for the morning jacket for the wedding for the best man. And I love the way it. he does this. I love the way Why he does, does he this. Why does he eat it? To get rid of the evidence? Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so the, the joke was, right, in case you haven't seen the episode, Mr. Humphreys sold him a, a tie and was making money off his co-worker. Mm-hmm. And then yep. he kind of flipped it and like, oh, I just, here, if, if, if you just sign this, this sheet of paper, it'll help you with your wedding. I'd love to help you, Mr. Humphreys. Okay, sure. And he signs it without even knowing what it is. By the way, folks, don't do that. And uh, he just sold him a a morning suit, which is the the gray top hat and coattails and, you know, traditional wedding outfit. Mr. Humphreys sees the bill for the engagement rings and then he faints. He faints into Captain Wagstaff's arms and we get Mr. Randall giving us a great line. Glass of water for Mr. Humphreys. He faints three times in this episode. Like, we get his money's worth, right? He does, indeed. Um, we go up to Mr. Fennick's office and there's the bachelor party happening and everyone's drinking and smoking cigars, cigars just like <laughs> Gary Poole, you know. Um, Mr. Fennick is not necessarily as bumbling as Mr. Rumbold is. Like, he obviously lost the paperwork, but just the way that he carries himself and speaks, it doesn't seem like this bumbling manager. And I'm wondering if the manager from the first series was more bumbling. Mr. Langley, I think it was, because he was another character that was also replaced because the actor couldn't make it for mm. season two. But of course, you know, it's it's the sin, not not the sin, but it's just the unfortunate nature of we are all, it's so easy to compare to Are You Being Served? Mm-hmm. You know, just like yeah. Beans of yeah. Boston and, and the 2016 reboot. Nicholas Smith, I, I, I love John Inman. I love all of the characters, the actors. Nicholas Smith, though, like... He, he, everyone, anytime you research about like the actors, like love for each other and everyone mm-hmm. like that man, they love Nicholas Smith. And he was just so sweet. Um, and the way he portrayed Mr. Rumbold, got to roll that R. Um, well, well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but it's just, it's, and then we talked about this ad nauseum, the last couple episodes about the alternative versions we covered um it's just they were so good you know like yeah. thank god how could you even have mr humphreys be portrayed by anyone other than john by Inman? anyone else yeah. right there's yeah. there's no way that it could have been done and i think like you were saying dean earlier you know uh, actors have to make character choices when they are taking on a legacy role about how faithful they're going to be and what they're going to bring on and what they're going to bring to themselves how much of the bumbliness is so inherent to mr rumbled that you can't have a mr rumbled like character without the bumbliness and and, i mean i think mr fennec is kind of dismissible dismissible in this episode like he doesn't serve a lot of purpose he's not central to the conflict he doesn't give uh, any of that wordplay that we usually get. He's kind of <laughs> so like let me a, a get take or leave a type character. <laughs> but don't you think, like, look at look at this one when you say when you're taking this episode and putting it in a different context because it was, you know, like one of the original ones of the series. And when they're doing this kind of a thing, unlike the other episodes where every like when you think about it, everyone has their specific role, we know which way it's going to go. With this one, they were able to let some of that drop. 
they're able to go, okay, that's completely fine. I can just sit within this realm because, and this is what I love about this episode where there is so much comedy and so much comedy they let sit in a certain spot Mm. so that Mm -hmm. those punchlines can punch so high. (laughs) And that's, and that's the part of it. Like they really, and, and they hit, but they hit really high. And I think it's great. Wow. I think it's, I think it's, in, it's very intentional. It's very, it's, it's very intentional. It's a very intentional choice for the comedy of the episode. I wish we had an idea about why Lloyd and Croft created this one single episode. I mean, they might have had many, many other episodes they never got to do because they weren't picked up a third season or whatever. But it's a, it's curious, right? Like they've recreated so many episodes, but I this mean, one they is may unique. Have known, they may have known that they weren't going to do any more. And a part of me looks at this and goes. I think John had something to do with it. Like, I think it was like, this is an idea, Mm. let's play with it, let's try it, because it is so different, and the comedy style is that little bit different, and and the way in which... So they they were giving something a go, you know? And maybe that was to go, look what we could do instead of just recreating. Maybe it was was that opportunity to go, "We've, we've been doing what you've asked, and now... This is what else we could do if you wanted. Ah, uh, yeah. So we'll show the top brass. But I mean, that's just a... me guessing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it could also just be like, I really want to do this. Okay, let's give it a go. We're having a great time. And maybe it he was dealing simple. with immigration. And he's like, hey, this would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Because he wasn't Australian. Okay, let's, make, let's make the joke Take about it. The if they try to make, yeah. Could you imagine yeah. if they try to actually make it happen? <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Edmund, we lost your, sh- your sheet, your form. Uh, yeah. We can't tell Mr. Channel 10. You're going back to the UK. Um <laughs> The wedding room is going to be held in the boardroom, but they don't look upwards. <gasps> and and as much as and, you know, as much as I hear what you're saying, Dean, I, I I still have a little bit of pang sometimes where they we we were trained to expect <laughs> certain cues or certain yeah. punchlines or certain gestures, and the promise is left unfulfilled. But yeah. you you never know. The other thing I'll say about the boardroom is the sign for the boardroom was pretty janky looking. Like it was like pulled off the public <laughs> toilets or something. It was like, hey, leave bad. Australia alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, we see, we get to meet young Mr. Bone, uh, who is played by Basil Clark, who played the fu- funeral priest in uh, Muriel's Wedding and was also Charles Darwin in the movie Young Einstein. Uh, a little film. bit about the um, sausage making of this episode when we were trying to figure out the sponsor gag. Uh, something to do with Muriel's Wedding was like the, the second choice here. Something about the sponsor. Porpoise you know, spit uh, or something. Porpoise spit, porpoise, yeah. Porpoise spit, yeah, porpoise spit. <laughs> um, young Mr. Bone is late for his disco lesson, so he can't stay for the engagement party. We don't get a you've all done very well from him. Very disappointing. And but they are commenting on his on his lifestyle, you know, that he's, you know, always out and about and with, you know, different women all the time. Mr. Randall said, he isn't even married. Well, Captain B- Wagstaff goes, he is a gay bachelor, you know. <laughs> Humphrey says, stop trying to cheer me yeah. up. Because Humphreys is not interested in going through this marriage whatsoever, even though yeah. he knows it's just to get the work permit. He doesn't see Miss Crawford actually falling romantically in love with him or having to consummate the marriage in any way, but he doesn't want anything to do with it. He tries to make her jealous by kissing the nurse. Uh, Thinking and it would make her go off him, right? Think, make her jealous, right? And we know it's an emergency because he drinks all of his champagne and Mr. Randall's champagne. Uh, he shuts his eyes. Mr. Randall pushes him towards the nurse, but at the last minute, the nurse steps away, and it's Miss Crawford. So he gives her, plants her one right in the mouth. All right. For a pretty, extend, pretty extended kiss. This <laughs> yeah. is no stage kissing. This is like a good seven-second, eight-second kiss. It's a good snog. 
He's not on the BBC yeah. anymore, so, you know, he goes for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next day, and the men are wearing their morning jackets, and they're trying to figure out who the uh, best man is, and they decide whoever's hat fits the best is going to be the best man. So is this an Australian tradition, or is this just a gag for the show? It's just <laughs> okay. a gag for the show. So um, one of the things that um, I've learned about UK culture by watching this show and other shows is that unlike America, it is very common to have a registry office wedding where you just have a small number of people for the ceremony that gets organized very quickly and not because anyone's pregnant or facing immigration. And then maybe have a party later that day or a few weeks after. They have like three parties nine out of ten times. That's a very UK thing. And when I realized that when I was invited to the last party of an event uh, a wedding and i was like yeah no but what i don't get to see you get married no we're gonna do a small thing and that when i realized that i was like what we are the complete opposite everyone's at the church or i mean if it's a registry office that could be a little bit different but everyone's at the party afterwards you know what i mean like it's very where where yeah that i just find that very odd but yeah and i and when i was living there because it was only there four and a half years i get invited to like the the what i consider to be the after party and i'm like i'm not going all the way to the middle of the middle of nowhere to go to the last drinks at your wedding. That's just really <laughs> odd. Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, I just, I didn't realise that that's just what they do. I was like, I, I would have felt really the same strange. way. I'm like, oh, I can't actually see your wedding? It's Come odd, on, man. Yeah. What's yeah. the point if I can't see the wedding? But you know. Duh. It's kind of like that. It's uh, kind of like that scene in Dairy Girls where all the teenage. No, all right, we're not going to bring another show into this. Never mind. Back on track. Okay, <laughs> we, we could talk about that for days. <laughs> yeah. Um, it turns out that only senior executives are allowed to even enter the boardroom. Oh so all the rest of the staff has to wait outside with basically a glass to the door, trying to listen. I in think that was just easier happening. to film. Basically, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Crawford comes out to the stage wearing the wedding dress. Aww. She gets an applause break and deservedly show. So it does not look costumey on her the way it ever no. did on Mrs. Slocum. Yeah, I was expecting yeah, like it, it to be too 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 small and like the back would expose her back. The back of the dress right. wouldn't be able to connect. But yeah, that joke didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, another joke that I think you were waiting for, Mr. Brandon, is Miss Nichols hands her a flask to give her a bit of Dutch courage. Mm-hmm. But we don't see a drunk Mrs. Crawford. Oh. <laughs> well, you, I mean, comparing it to Molly Sugden, I mean, it, yeah. it's a tricky you thing. You can't. You just can't. Yeah. You just can't. The, right. All of all and, of the Netherlands is is very sad right now because there was no drunk Mrs. Slocum. <laughs> Hello, Henrika. Hello, Henrika. <laughs> um, what Miss Crawford does do, like Molly Sugden does, is she stomps up the stairs as soon as the <laughs> lift opens. She stops up the stairs in her wedding dress, and this is where Mr. Randall gives uh, Humphreys the fireman's lift, and he's kicking and screaming up the stairs. Right? Love it. Um, so good. We're up. We're upstairs in the boardroom, and every time the door opens, we hear the Hallelujah chorus for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> Is that not the most insane thing from Handel's Messiah? And I'm like, I don't know why, but what a crazy way to go. That's not Australian tradition. Like you get No, the, you no get one has Handel's Messiah. <laughs> Handel's Messiah is something we I sang. I mean, my, part of me goes, that's like that opera nod. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the only thing that made sense to me oh, is because she, oh, she yeah. was an opera singer. Because otherwise I'm like, why the hell is that what we're... Why are you playing that? Right. For the wedding. It's it's very biblical. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> How old were you, Dean, when you figured out that 
no one else in the world did the nutbush dance at weddings except Australia. I didn't realize until it went like all the news happened like a couple of years ago where it's like I did not realize this wasn't something that happened everywhere. No. I just assumed it was. Okay, I'll be we... the audience here. <laughs> we don't know what the nutbush is. Oh my god, okay, the nutbush is it it turns out it was all over the news like a couple of years ago where this is a dance that we learned in school. And to Nutbush City Limits, and um, and we do is that the a Tina Turner song? Tina, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's literally like it's just this dance. Yeah, it's just this dance we do at at weddings and or big parties or something, and everyone gets to do it. And it's like stepping side to side, side to side, kick up your one knee, kick up the other knee, um, and then you cross your legs, jump. And, and then you're, you're facing the other direction and you do it again. And it's just a dance we do at parties. And, and everyone just knows it. And apparently we learned it in school. And it's just, yeah, apparently it's just an Australian thing. You know what it is, Jeff? It's the and thing. And I had no idea. It's the thing in the States where it's like, jump, jump one, two times. Bam, bam, do the waltz. Da, 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 da. That's, yeah. So, yeah. you know, in, a, in an American movie where everyone gets up and dances and knows the move to a dance at a prom? Yeah. This is the Australian version, and it's any time the song gets played, everyone does it. We'll yeah. just get up and do it. The cha-cha slide, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's, it's like the electric slide or the cha-cha slide, but the dance, that, that's, what you were, that's what you were quoting, yeah. But there is no line dance associated <laughs> with Nutbush City Limits as a song. It is a, it, it's on the list of songs you play at weddings or parties. Nutbush City Limits is there for Aussies. <laughs> Wow. So every time okay. the door, we're hearing the Hallelujah Chorus, not Nutbush City Limits, and the um, personnel, personnel man comes back and says he found the original application for the work permit in the stacks of papers in the office. So Mr. Humphreys doesn't have to go through the wedding. Now, is this right? a deus ex machina? This is indeed a deus ex machina. Thank you for recognizing that. Yes. Thank you. And thank you for playing the part of Jeff in this part of the podcast. <laughs> um Miss Nichols won't let them into the wedding. She wants. She thinks that this is Miss Crawford's dream that she's going to finally get to settle down again Aww. and have some kind of security. But they burst in, and Mrs. Crawford comes out looking so dejected that she had all of her dreams crushed. You know. But here's where we get the setup. As Dina said before, we get a build up here so that the next joke will But the land. build up has been the whole episode. This is yeah. what I love about <laughs> it. Like when it happened, I like and that's why part of me goes having the alum every everything in the episode has led to this line. Yeah. The almost the penultimate line of the episode, it wouldn't have worked anyway. Your pussy would never be the same with me popping in and out all the time. <laughs> oh my god. And it was amazing. The doublest of double entendre. And that was it. Yeah. That's the episode. Just brilliant. Yeah. Well, Nuts. well, could we no, we get the topper after that because someone asks him how he's feeling, like he just won the Super Bowl and is going to Disneyland. He says, "After my escape, I can only sum it up in two words: I'm free." Oh God, <laughs> I'm going through puberty, apparently. And then Easy we, for get, you to say. You know, we get the uh, we get the end credits, and there's our episode. Wow, such a good one! Wow, such a good episode. You know, I think there not only was it the novelty of seeing a brand new plot line with our favorite characters. But also that they were faithful enough to the spirit of original characters, but still being something unique. You know, they, they were familiar yeah. in a way that was very different than the familiar, familiarity that I saw in the 2016 reboot. Where do I begin with that? 
Yeah, I think to I think to your point, <laughs> Jeff, um, and to Dean's point earlier, um, the 2016 reboot seemed. I guess I mean it's so easy to say because um, they had the same names, the characters were the same, that they were kind of doing um, they were go- doing a copycat. They were mimicking the, the original, and, and so, there were also actors that we knew. Yeah. Yeah, that was the premise of that entire thing, though. So I, I think it was BBC that did it, and they were yeah. doing that with tons of classic comedies. Mm-hmm. So it was for some reason it was that, and and I'll be honest, like the the idea of it excited me a lot. Like when I heard about it, everyone got really excited, and then everyone saw the end products, and it's like you know what? Let's just watch the originals. You know what I mean? It, no. It's not it, it's not that they're not great, but it was just like. Oh, this wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, you know, which is... And with all of the shows. Uh, we talked a lot mm-hmm. about about that on the episode. And we, we saw, and you may not have heard it, Dean, but um, a lot of... We, we our, our theory, anyway, is that um, the executive Hedwig's people of BBC, they were like, uh, Mr. Humphreys in 2016... He's kind of homophobic. Like, you know, a lot of people might have an issue today. If it was 1977 and it's within the mm. culture and the context and na 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 na, like, it's interesting. But, there, you know, there was, it I, was sort of like, can you recreate something what, in the past today? But you can. This is what kills me. You absolutely can. Look at Coronation. Coronation Street is a prime example okay. of playing those jokes really well. Like, there is the room for it. I just think it was a choice... Uh, to not do it because because Mr. Humphreys is more than just a character of a certain period of time, you know, like mm. Mr. Humphrey and that comedy is amazing and it speaks to so many things that there was a point when I was a kid going, what if the joke is that he's just flamboyant? And he's what actually if the straight. Joke isn't that he's gay and he's actually straight and that could give it a whole nother level. Like there's mm-hmm. so much to yeah. play with there and it's it just, yeah, they should have taken the risk. So one of the things that I hear from people that um, are, let's say, have politics that are different than mine, uh, I hear nothing's fun anymore. We can't have comedy be fun anymore because you can't be you have to be worried about offending someone or no one can take a joke anymore. Uh, One of our fans actually um, shared um, something about Ant and Deck in the UK recently getting a lot of flack for um, playing uh, drag characters uh, might yeah. I add poorly, but whatever. But I think terribly. That the, ter- I think that the the reaction there is not. No, you can't make a joke anymore. It's that you people can't be the butt of the joke anymore if they're not also in on the joke. Exactly. The it's, I think I think it's the other part of it as well. Is we're always going to have those articles about this many complaints came through. I mean, it's a very UK thing. Daily Mail love mm. to do it. This many complaints came through for this thing. It's just about ratings. It's just about ratings. It's just about hitting things a certain way. But when you say that with comedy where people are like, we can't do this anymore. And it's like, yeah, comedy has changed. We were in a period of time where society was different. So comedy is different now. So if all your humour is, and that's where we're finding a lot of male comedians that are now like just shit because mm-hmm. what the comedy <laughs> that they've done for such a really long time is those notes. And I'm friends with a lot of comedians and, you know, the kind of work that they have to do to keep themselves fresh, to keep their content interesting, mm-hmm. to keep rolling with it. And, and, and personally, like, 
personally, my big thing for it is I see a lot of amazing female comedians that are just hitting it in the right way. It's that same mm-hmm. thing where a lot of male comedians would do those kind of obvious jokes. So would a lot of gay male comedians. It was that same kind of thing that they would always yep. do to be a very certain way. And now suddenly they're not in flavour because it's it's... The comedy is great, and they are smart comedians, but they've played a certain line that they've been popular for. Now they've got to take the smart, the higher, the smarter road. But it's, it, don't get me wrong, it is funny. I have friends that still do that type of comedy, and it works. Some of them do really offensive things, and sometimes it lands, and sometimes it doesn't. And I know yep. plenty that don't. And it's just, you know what, but when you're putting it out on television, and you're putting it out in the world, you've got to hit... Comedy has changed. Television has changed. Totally. You know, the beats of humour have changed in how we hit it. So you can't just recreate the same thing. And if you do, that's called dinner theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Smaller audiences. Yeah. I love this episode so much. I just... The fact that it was a payoff to that one line at the end that I just was pissing myself laughing. It was just <laughs> I would have never thought what a... The, the arc of the whole episode was up for that. So having you kind of give that perspective was cool. Like, I don't... When that was something hit, I definitely took from you. When it hit, I was like, all these other things just dropped into place. And I'm like, that's why... Because the build just kept building. Because just like we're saying, when you watch the show all the time and you get it, you're like, there are missed opportunities. And once that hit, I was like, that's the reason why. <laughs> to really build it so that one nails it. Well, it's very much like The Apartment, which is fresh in my mind, because you have the whole buildup of Mr. Uh, Mrs. Slocum or Mrs. Crawford, depending on where you're watching it, right. get, getting more and falling more and more in love with Mr. Humphreys as the idea goes on. And then the last line of the episode, Mr. Humphreys, leave my pussy alone for everybody to hear, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. It's been building up for 22 minutes. And then we get the big payoff. Yeah. You can do a lot in, like, what, 23 minutes, right, of comedy? Oh, yeah. It's, it's smart, amazing people doing smart, amazing work. And yeah. everyone thinks comedy is simple. Comedy is hard. No matter what part of comedy you do, comedy is a skill like no other, and it's brilliant. Uh, what are you doing these days? Like, what's next on Dean's uh, schedule? Well, I've, I've literally just come from... We've had a huge Pride season that's still continuing on. So I've just come from Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. Had a little bit of a rest. Happy Pride. And now I'm diving into... Yeah, well, we had a huge... We had, like, the reason why the 40th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality was in my head is because we had a huge street party right outside my door to commemorate it. Wow. Which is pretty cool. And then I'm, I'm diving in. I literally leave tomorrow from when we're recording this to dive to... We have a thing called Chill Out, which is a country pride festival in spa, in spa country. And um, people have spas and get entertained and there are bands and, wow. and bush dancing. So there's a, there will be Nutbush at Bush Dancing. I will have to film, <laughs> I will have to film Nutbush for you to be able to put on we the We will put it on our Facebook so and Twitter. So you can clearly yes. understand... Yeah, but there is, and so I'm, I'm heading off to that. And, and then in a couple of weeks, I get my first like rest of the year, which I'm going to be honest, I have not stopped working and performing all over the place. I'm looking forward to just going somewhere and lying in a bath and watching TV. Nice. Maybe are you being served? Nice, well-deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Brandon, what are we going to talk about next week when unfortunately we're not going to have Mr. Dean with us? Uh, he'll be probably taking out false eyelashes and putting his breasts <laughs> back in a box or something. I don't know. Probably, um, probably. Well, you know, uh, the unanimous get out your champagne flutes. 
get out your tinned Japanese champagne. <laughs> That's right. We have Are You Being Served Again slash Grace and Favor next time. Oh, my God. So many people. It tends to be the younger folks. They don't really, I mean, they like Are You Being Served, but they're here for Are You Being Served Again. That's so what they were raised on. Ready. Oh, my God. We finally, finally, after the, what, 79 episodes, <laughs> we're finally getting to Are You Being Served Again. Uh, the first episode is called The Inheritance. Uh, season one, episode one. So we're doing a new Are You Being Served series. This is canon. These are the original actors. 25 years later or so, um, young Mr. Grace leaves them in his will a country estate. We get to meet Mr. Moulard and his daughter <laughs> in the West Country. Somerset or Oh, my God. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So a lot of people have been looking forward to it, and they've been blowing our email up saying you have to cover this and we are so that's what we're doing next time all right quite exciting dean r curie thank you very much for taking time out of your busy busy schedule of being a busy homosexual to chat with us about our favorite show it's been lovely My seeing pleasure. you again it was noise it was unusual it was different <laughs> lovely seeing you both too different. very different <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Unanimous, if you want to get in touch with us, you could do it over Facebook or Twitter or write us an email at that does suit madam spelled with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call us at the Peacock Hotline. That's 662 Peacock, 662 732 2625. And while you're at it, grab some merch at our bargain basement shop at imfree.threadless.com. And Mr. Dean, if they wanted to find you on the internet in Australia or elsewise, where would they find you? You can just look for Dean Arcuri or for my queer art slash dragier alter ego, Frock Hudson, uh, on all social media and you'll be able to find me there. He's everywhere, folks. And one last time, before we do the new series, you done very well. Bye. That Does Who Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Depending on the circumstances, a couple who does not consummate a marriage or does not cohabit does not necessitate finding that the marriage was entered into fraudulently.